Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hello, friends, and happy November. It's crazy to think that two months from now, we'll be ringing in the new year. And in case you missed my last episode, I announced that I have decided that it no longer feels in alignment for me to tell you what to focus on from the episode with my five key takeaways at the end. So if something resonates with you, I encourage you to take your own notes while you're listening. There's always so much goodness in each conversation that I know you'll probably have more than five things anyway. Let's dive into today's episode. I've got another conversation on human design. If this isn't your jam, I've got a lot of different topics coming up for you that I think you'll love. And if this is your jam, make sure you've listened to my past episodes on human design, episode eight with Pam December and episode 32 with Christy Sullivan for some basic knowledge on how to pull up your chart and what some of the terminology means. Today, I'm happy to introduce you to Allison Vandepole. She's a wife, mom, registered nurse, holistic health coach, and human design specialist. When Allison found human design, she quickly realized that it was different from anything else. Her journey and her struggles up to that point suddenly made so much sense. She felt validated and she had so many aha moments. This was the missing piece to her puzzle, which is why human design is the unique foundation of her holistic coaching. Allison believes that being healthy, thriving, and loving life isn't supposed to be difficult and that it's all simpler than we might think. Wait until you hear Allison's analogy of how human design is like the movies. It really clicked for me and I know it will for you too. We talk about how you can use human design to not only understand yourself and others, but also how it's a great way to help you thrive in your life. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Allison. Welcome to the show. I'm excited you're here. Oh, thank you, Heather. I'm so excited to be here. I know we were just chatting a little bit and we're both manifestors. So we're going to talk about human design today and I'm excited to dive in. But before we get started, the way I like to start my guest episodes is by having you choose either blue or red. And I have a blue book and a red book, and I will pick a random question from whichever book you choose. Fun. Okay. So definitely blue. Blue, I would say is the most popular. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We'll go to the middle of the book here. Let's see. What secret will you have just confided to your best friend 20 years from now? The first, I, the, I was trying to think of something else, but I just have to say the first thing that came to me and yeah. the thing that came to me is I knew all along. Those are the words that came. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That sounds deep. Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll check in with you in 20 years. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. So I would love for you to tell my listeners, what was Allison like as a young child? What was your personality like? What did you like to do for fun? Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. This is different than any other podcast I've done. (laughs) As a young child, okay, I came out of the womb sucking my thumb. (laughs) Um, I was super sensitive. I am super sensitive. I was very sensitive, but I've just been, so I just am 
into my 40s as of recently. And I've been reflecting a lot more on childhood lately because my sister and I always talk about how we actually can't recall a lot of details from our childhood. But suddenly I just keep getting these like memories and glimpses coming in. But one of the things is, you know, we're just kind of wrapping up summer and I feel like there are so many kids. And I think this makes sense as a manifester now that I know that I'm a manifester, but there are so many kids when your mom says like, it's summer, go play. And they literally leave the house and don't come back until they're like summoned or like found somewhere, or they're like so thirsty and hungry because they've gone all day without that. That was not me. My mom would say, shoo, go out and play. My mom had an in-home daycare when I was young and she would say, go, go play, which were like the worst words I could hear <laughs> because I was the person that wanted to just lay inside and read a book all day. But if she, if she shooed us out, my, my brother and sister and my, and the other babysitting kids, they would just go down to like an empty lot, a couple doors down and they'd start playing a game of, you know, baseball or something. And I would just slowly sneak off and I would visit all of the elderly people in the neighborhood. I had about four houses Aww. and I would just go sit and talk to all the old people. I am <sighs> an old soul. I really am. Oh yes. my gosh. I love that so much. I can relate to both things. Um, not so much talking to the elderly, but I could go outside for hours on end. We actually had, we lived in the middle of nowhere and we had a, an actual like big, if you think of almost like little house on the prairie, like we had one of those big bells mm. and my mom would ring it when it was time for dinner. And we knew it was time to come home wherever we were oh, because you that. could hear it forever. But also I have always loved to read. So I would curl up with a good book too. So, yeah. but I love that you went and talked to the elderly. That's the sweetest I thing did. ever. So strange. And you know what? I now have a little girl who's seven and she is a generator. So she has a lot more of that sacral energy. So she's very, she's kind of different um, than me in a lot of ways, but she did not know that about me. And she, one of her very favorite things to do is to go and talk to older people and elderly people. And she will sit and visit for an hour, hours. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where she also is a bit of an old soul and, you know, the apple didn't fall far from the tree, but she could not have known that because we didn't, we don't talk about that in any way, but I think it's really cool to just see how that little, you know, that little piece of me is also being passed on or what is within her too. Oh, that's so sweet. Do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up when you were little? These questions are amazing. <laughs> so I wanted to be back then we referred to them as a mortician. Now it's more commonly referred to as a funeral director. Um, but I, yeah, I wanted to be a mortician. Okay. That's a first for me. I have not gotten that answer from anybody. Yeah. So tell me why. <laughs> well, there, um, there was a family in town who was the, the funeral director in town and they lived in this beautiful home and the daughter was my babysitter. And so we would go over to their house and we actually would lay, we'd pick out our favorite coffin <laughs> this is so bizarre. I promise you, I am not this weird. Like people who know me would be actually shocked to hear these stories because I'm not actually this weird, but this is true. And we would pick out our favorite coffin. And so like, I remember picking one out that was lined with pink silk and we would, we like would climb in it and test it out. But really it actually is because I went on later in life to become a nurse. And I think I've always just been really fascinated. So I've been really fascinated with like science and the body, but also I've been fascinated with um, sort of like life and death my whole life, just 
not like preoccupied with it, but just really fascinated by it. So I think that's, I guess that's why. So death doesn't never scared you. Like as a kid, I know a lot of people in general, but even kids, like they really are terrified of dead people and dying and all of those things. So that didn't bother you? It terrifies me. It (laughs) terrifies me, but I'm not so much anymore just because of age and kind of learning expanded ways of thinking about it. But no, I've always been totally afraid. And I've also really loved like, you know, the crime shows and things. So fascinated in that way, but still, no, still really terrified of it. Probably (laughs) why I didn't actually become a mortician because I could not have lived in a home with dead people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So let's fast forward a little bit. So you were a nurse and now I know you as a human design expert. So tell me just a little bit about your journey. I became a nurse a little bit later in life. That was sort of my second career. Um, Even though I worked, we were talking earlier. So I worked for the state health department where I live in Iowa for 20 years. First in a role that was more in a communication program management role. But I always knew that I really wanted to be a nurse. But the college that I chose did not have a nursing program. And my parents said, just stay there and get a degree. So I did. But I come from a, a line of nurses. And so... So I, eventually I became one, but I think too, I have had like a very long health journey and um, just to make a long story short, started in childhood, but in my twenties, I had five abdominal surgeries in seven years and I was being seen by like world renowned specialists and just kind of a mystery. So I think I went to nursing school and became a nurse later in my twenties. So that was kind of the nursing role. And, you know, I said, I'm a sensitive person. I'm the mid kid of my family. I think I just have always loved, I always wanted to do something where I cared for people and made people's life better. And nursing just seemed like a really good fit. But as I was doing that, I was in a very specific nursing role. And we talked a little bit earlier, but I was working in the vaccine program for the state. And so it was very, very, very specific. And I really enjoyed my work. But there was really not a lot of room for like me and my expression and my creativity. I mean, there was some teaching and things like that that I enjoyed. And and for the most part, I was not micromanaged in any way. So I had some autonomy and was able to do some things. But as far as the stuff that I did, it was all like federally regulated. So it had to be very consistent. So it didn't allow for a lot of my creative expression and things like that. So because I was so passionate about health, I started doing health coaching on the side. And it really was just sort of an outlet for me. And through that, I started kind of following the breadcrumbs and my journey started started to turn inward. And I started um, just a whole spiritual practice that I really didn't know that's what I was doing. But through that, I learned of human design. And the minute that I heard about it, it sort of just fell in front of me out of nowhere. I had nothing... No, no, I'd never heard it mentioned before. And the minute I heard about it, I I ran my chart and I was hooked and I started studying human design, not knowing why I had no idea why, but it turns out that within, oh, about six months, I had left my 20 year career totally unexpectedly. And a few weeks later, um, we sold our family home completely unexpectedly because somebody knocked on our door and it's just been this crazy, crazy journey. 
That was amazing. Actually. I, I love all of it. I love someone just knocked on your door and wanted to buy your house. Like yes. that's a crazy story. And it was before, I think it's happened more since, but it was, it was in the middle of December in the middle of Iowa, which as you know, because you're in Wisconsin, it's freezing and no one actually leaves their homes. Um, <laughs> so it's it, not only were people not leaving their homes because of COVID, but they don't leave their homes in Iowa anyway. And so to get a knock on our front door on a Sunday in the middle of December, in the middle of Iowa, in the middle of winter, in the middle of COVID was like shocking. I mean, clearly I was shocked because I answered the door like with wet bed head. And I just napped with my one-year-old and was not like no makeup, sweatpants, like was not expecting anybody. And it was this family that said, your house is our dream house. And we would, we were wondering if you would be willing to sell it. And then, you know, six months after that, the whole housing market blew up. And I think there were, was some door knocking going on, but not when it happened to us. That is amazing. I love that so much. So as you've gotten into human design and just for your knowledge, I've done a couple episodes on human design. So my listeners are a little bit familiar with okay. the different energy types and the the different centers to some extent. We can kind of go wherever you want with this, but I would love to know because you are so integrated into surrendering to your human design mm -hmm. and how that kind of affects your life purpose. I would kind of love to know how important do you think that is to knowing your human design so that you can move forward and find what you're here to do? I will preface this by saying, and I mentioned this earlier, that I'm a very spiritual person. Early on in my life, I had sort of my first surrender. And I always talk about when I talk about surrender, that, you know, sometimes we hear the word surrender and we think of it as a very passive thing. Like we're just like waving the white flag and we're sort of like laying down and giving up almost. I think some people think of that. And that's not how I see surrender at all. Like um, we really see surrender as an active part where you're a participant in the surrender and you have to actually do you know, do things um, when you surrender. But another thing we always say is that you, you know, sometimes surrender happens. Sometimes we surrender by choice and sometimes we surrender because we have no other choice. So my first surrender story was when I was a young middle schooler and um, there was a religious thing that happened with our church and our family that really, I would say, changed the entire trajectory of my life. I use the term spiritual instead of religious, and hopefully most people understand what I'm talking about or the difference. Um, I believe in God, but I don't necessarily know God to be the God of, you know, sometimes the, the mass belief system in church. So I'll just say that first. But the way it's played out in my life and this knowing that has come from just the spiritual turning in, um, I believe that God, who I believe God is led me to human design to show me that this is how we're created. And so because I have a health background, I always talk about it as just like we have our regular DNA, our physical DNA that most people know of. You don't usually know, you know, the ins and outs of DNA because it's complicated, it's complicated, it's complex. Um, but we really know that our, our DNA, our physical DNA sort of encodes who we are physically. And with that, we can't actually necessarily change our DNA, but we can impact the way that it plays out in our life. Well, I see human design as your energetic DNA. So it's who you are coded as energetically. So you can't change your 
your energetic coding, your, your human design, but it does give you insight into who you are and you can choose, you know, to be an active participant and how that actually plays out in your life by living into your human design and understanding the way that you're created. One of the questions that always people always ask me in the beginning who don't know a lot about human design is when they see their chart, you know, and we start to walk through it, they always want to know, okay, like, but can I change that? If I do more of this or less of that, can I change it? And it's always like, no, you cannot change your, it's, you can't change your DNA. You can't change your energetic DNA but you're not meant to. You're meant to, if you choose that path, you're meant to live into it for the best life. That's a beautiful way to look at it. And the way I've always thought of it too is, you know, there's so many different personality types out there in the world and you can, your results can change depending on how you answer it, what you have going on in your life, what mood you're in, you know, all of these things I've taken, you know, the Myers-Briggs test and uh, it bounces around between different things, depending on where I'm at in my life. Your human design doesn't change no matter what, because it's based off of where you were born, when you were born, you know, the date and time and all of those things. So I, I love that. And I think that how your DNA is put together won't change, but how you express it can change. And the more you learn about it, the more it makes sense. And you almost feel some validation, right? Yes. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about early on what you were saying with um, the different assessments that you take, where you answer the question and depending on how you answer. And really a lot of that, even if we think, oh, I I know this is what I should say, but I'm going to answer it this way because this is the truth. Sometimes your truth is still conditioned. In fact, most of the time it's still conditioned because from birth, we start being conditioned by by well-meaning peers and parents and siblings and all of those things that take you off your path. And then you, you almost don't even always know exactly who you are because you're so conditioned by the outside world. So I love that you get, because not everybody gets that. I love that you get that, you know, it's, it really is for people who need science, there's science, there's hard science to back this up, but then there's also that sort of like spiritual side where there's still that unknown and it's all about your own personal journey and your experiment and how you, how it plays out in your life. Um, so it brings both of those together, but I love, I love the, the hard science, you know, where like you said, that coding comes from the universe. It comes from information, the the neutrino field, the breath of stars that literally carry information and encode you and you can't change that. So this might be an impossible question to answer, but <laughs> what if you could only pick maybe one or two things about a human design chart that you think are the most important or the most telling about someone, what would you say it is? You know, I think it has to go to, this is maybe not the most exciting answer, but I think it's the truth is type and authority because there's a movie analogy. Have you heard human design um, shared as sort of like the film analogy? No. Okay. I don't know where I got this or if I made it up. I honestly don't know, but this is how I, I like to understand it just in layman's terms, but it's almost like if you're not playing the right role, then the rest sort of falls apart. 
if we think about the fact that, so why, why are we even having this discussion? Why do we, why would it matter what your human design is? Why does it matter for us personally or for us as a society? Um, if you go back and you look at how we first were when we, you know, the first human beings, regardless of where you think we came from, regardless of how we, how you think we got here. I think that everybody can agree that we today do not look and act exactly like the first human beings because we are evolutionary beings. So we are evolving. And part of that is we are here to not only survive, that's first, but to also thrive. And so it's no, there's no doubt that we're evolving beings and that part of our role here is to survive and thrive as a person and as a collective. So how does your human design play into that? Well, if you think about we're all here as part of films, movies, we have the people who, who are the producers of the film and they are the ones who get the inspirations and sort of put those out into the world and draw in the people who can then make this film happen because they're not meant to do it all and they can't do it all. They don't have the ability. And so those producers in human design are called manifestors, which both you and I are manifestors. And they're only eight or eight or 9% of the population. We don't need a ton of producers, their role and their gift. Each type has a gift. Their, our gift to the world is to initiate. Okay. Based on our inspirations. So then who are we passing these off to? Well, we're passing them off to the directors of the film. So the directors, um, you know, are here to guide the whole process. And again, we don't need a ton of directors because that's not the way the film works. So the directors in human design are called projectors and they're only 20% of the population. And I understand that your daughter is, you have a daughter that's one. And so their gift to the world is guiding. Well, who and what are they guiding? They're guiding the entire life force energy of the film, everybody that it takes to pull this off. So that's everybody from the lead actors and actresses to the supporting roles, to the musicians, to the set crew, to the makeup artists. Within that body, everybody has their own expertise, their own gifts, their own role, but their gift to the world is their work. So these are the manifesting generators and the generators, and they are the life force energy of the world. They're the life force energy of the film, and they are here to do work they love. That's their gift to the world. And then the fourth type, the final one, is on the backside, we have the critics of the film. So they are, and if I didn't say this, the generators and manifesting generators are 70% of the population. So that's the majority of people here. And then on the backside, we have the critics. And so their role is not to be critical, but they're here to discern what went well, what didn't, so that we as a collective can do better moving forward on our next film. And so in human design, the critics are called reflectors. And they're only 1% of the population because again, we don't need a ton of critics. So I like to think of it in that way because once you once you understand how you fit into this puzzle, into the world, and you understand more about the role you play and lean into that and start to own it, that number one is life-changing. So I'm going to start there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love that analogy so much. I've never heard this analogy and it makes so much sense as you were talking. I was like, yep, yep. Can totally see that. Absolutely. I love it. And because also we think about when you know that helps you, when you understand what type you are, it helps you on your own path, on your own journey, but it also lets you see how you fit into the bigger picture. So that again, we're going to go back to our purpose here is to first survive, of course, 
but then also to thrive and to evolve and to expand as a human being and as a collective. And so, yeah, I really love it too. It's funny. My business partner is a projector and she did not care for that analogy in the beginning, but I just kept telling it. And she has really come around because I think, you know, she's a projector, but I think to the, to the majority of the world, that really does make sense. Yeah. When you can have something to relate it to like a movie and everyone knows the different roles in a movie, even if you don't watch a lot of movies. So I, yeah, that it just resonates with me on such a deep level. Good. So I think that's, that's first is you have to know what role, what type you are, what role you play in this life. And then once you know that the second most important thing is then knowing your body's way that it speaks to you or that it communicates with you, which, you know, is your inner wisdom. And in human design, we call that authority because once you know what type you are, you understand how your energy is meant to like engage with the world, how you're meant to sort of do life. But once you know that, then it's all about how you make decisions that are correct for you. And for a while, this one took, I don't know why, but this one took a little bit to land for me. It was like, oh, it's all about the decisions. And I, I just didn't really understand like, okay, why is it like the, how you make decisions didn't seem that important necessarily to me, or I didn't understand why the whole entire system was based on this. And then I finally started to understand, because if you think about the fact that everything we do in life is a decision from the time we wake up to, I mean, to the time we go to bed. It's what what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, how you're going to speak to your husband or your child. You know, we make tens of thousands of decisions every single day and making the right decision for yourself is either going to put you on and keep you on your path, or it's going to take you off your path. And that's one of those things that I love is that, you know, I really like to think that we're co-creating and so we have free will and we can make decisions that maybe aren't for our highest good, for our, for our purpose and path that we came here to live, but that's not going to be our most fulfilling path. But when we figure out how to make the decisions that sort of get you aligned and and in flow for that most fulfilling path, that's the journey that you can be on when you understand your design and live into it. So what you're really talking about now is the authority. So how many different kinds of authority can you have? Oh gosh, I should know this off the top of my head. I think it might be seven. So we have the emotional authority um, from the solar plexus. We have sacral authority from the gut or the sacral center. Lenic authority, number three. And then self-projected, ego-projected, environmental, mental. So that would be six or seven. So are these related to the centers on this? They're related to the centers. Yep. So depending on... It kind of starts on the emotional center. That's the most common one. So over 51% of the population has emotional authority. And that means that you have a defined solar plexus, which is your emotional center. And if that's defined, that sort of like trumps, that's like the, the first one where if that's defined, you're automatically an emotional authority. And then it moves from there. So if that's undefined in you, if your sacral center is defined, then that becomes your a sacral authority. Does that make sense? And then yeah. it goes to the spleen. That's why when we get to the top, I'm like, I know a lot of facts and figures and all these numbers, but so few people are the mental. So I think it's six. Yeah. And it just, in so it becomes less common as we work up the chart and oh. not every, not every center is an authority. 
Is it the head the, doesn't have the, one? The throat isn't right. Oh yeah. So that's right. So the, the head and the throat, the head and the um, root do not. So it's six. Okay. Because that is a good point that everybody should know. The head is never meant to be your authority or your decision maker. So a lot of times we all know we we're conditioned. And again, looking back to how we were originally created at one time in humanity, our head was our best tool for making decisions, but we have evolved away from that. And so we still have that powerful mind chatter where it wants to make our decisions. And that's where we want the pros and cons lists. And we want the, you know, all of those things to use our mind to strategize and to make our decisions, but nobody is meant to make decisions from there. So that's not true for anybody. Mm, That's such a good point because I think we all think that's where we're supposed to make decisions from. (laughs) hundred percent. And that really is old energy that we carry with us and our minds are very powerful and, you know, our egos are very powerful. And for the most part, they do serve a purpose and they want to protect us and all of those things, but not your best tool for making decisions that are correct for you. So is the authority where the not self is tied to, or is that tied to the energy type or what is the, cause I not self is the theme is tied to the energy type. So if you are a manifester, if you're the producer in the film analogy, if you're a manifester, your not self emotion that you're going to feel is anger. If you're a manifesting gender, or a, we'll go, if you're a projector, your not self emotion is bitterness. If you're a manifesting generator or a generator, your not self emotion is frustration. And if you're a reflector, your not self emotion is disappointment. So that is where your not self emotion comes from. It does come from your type. But I would say where you actually see it play out is in your energy centers, most commonly your undefined centers. So your undefined centers. So when you're, if you look at a chart where your centers are white, that's undefined, or it might be completely open where they're colored in the color doesn't matter. People always ask that the the color makes no difference. It's either colored in or white, but where you're white is where you're most likely to take on the energy of other people when you get into their aura. And so because of that, it's not your own energy, but you sort of can take that on and have trouble differentiating. And oftentimes that's where you're going to feel your not self-emotion. So if you're taking on somebody else's mental, mental energy, if they're defined and you're not, and you're taking on their mental, their mental energy, their mental pressure, that's going to cause anger in a manifester, frustration in a, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to talk a lot about like living authentically and living, you know, where you're finding your purpose and remembering your purpose. Do you think the not self, like how does the not self play out when you are not living in your authentic way? Oh, I mean, so this is an easy answer for that. The more you are living authentically, the more you are on your aligned path, even if you don't know anything about human design, the less not self-emotion you're going to have. So that's sort of a really good signpost or litmus test or gauge that if you are a manifesting generator or a generator and you're constantly frustrated and burnout and you know, all of those things, you're really living in not self. If you're a manifesting generator or generator and you feel so much satisfaction in your life and you're just occasionally frustrated or or angry or, you know, that's a good sign that even if you didn't know it, you're living more authentically in alignment. So for each type, it's really good to know and just sort of have that check-in, you know, as to 
I'm a manifester. Do I feel more at peace or do I feel more angry? That's a really good way of knowing because the more at peace I feel, the more I know that I'm living authentically my life's purpose, living into the way that I was you know, created to live. Yeah. And I think that takes some reflection on everyone's part, right? Because when I first heard that my not self for manifestors was anger. Mm. I was like, that's not, I'm not angry. You know mm-hmm. <laughs> what I started to realize the more I really like started journaling and thinking about it. Yeah. I was like, hmm, I'm kind of pissed off at a whole lot of things right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's when um, people, it's funny when I first, you know, learned about all of this and um, was sharing with friends and they would say, I don't see you as angry at all. Well, first of all, I want you to know, I don't know if you've heard this, but they say when a mom gives birth to a manifestor, she sort of has an O blank moment because energetically like manifestors have a very strong aura. So just energetically, she almost automatically like pushes against that, that energy. But because manifestors have that such a strong aura, we are either typically go one way or another, and they either sort of rebel because they're just pushing against everybody. And so they become very rebellious or they become very like submissive and they shrink a lot to make people feel more comfortable because their energy is so uncomfortable. So there's a shrinking that goes on. And I definitely, I'm not going to say I didn't have some rebellion in my life, but I definitely was the one that shrunk to make people feel more comfortable. And so it's funny because, so people didn't see me as angry because that wasn't an emotion that I expressed in any way, but I, this explained why I was, I would have dreams where I would just, and the the more not self I was in, the more I would have these dreams where I would just be raging, Mm -hmm. raging and like seriously violent. And that was, so because I wasn't expressing that in any way, it was coming out in my dreams. But I think it's really good for each type to know your signature emotion is, you know, or your not self and to have that reflection and to just start becoming aware. And also it's really good if you have someone in your life who can help you sort of see it from the way, because we don't always, you know, depending on how in tune we are, we don't always see it in ourselves, what other people can see in us. Yeah. I've had people in my past and before I really knew what human design was, who told me I had sort of this repelling energy or they felt like there was a wall up around Mm. me. And I just was like, you don't know what you're talking about. I do not. And the more I learned about my human design and started to dig into who I am even more, I was like, Oh yeah, I totally have that. And it's not, that's not to say it's a bad thing. There are good reasons for, for why I am the way I am. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing about human design. It's not to put a label on you. It's not to like say, this is who you are and it's good or bad. Right. I think that Mm -hmm. how it gets expressed is so important and it can go so many different ways. I think I heard there's like 300 billion different combinations of human design. Oh, I have heard a big number, but I don't even recall it. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, can you, like nobody's the same and to try to like be like somebody else, you you can't, your DNA, your energetic DNA will not allow it. And I've had a lot of people um, say that when they first get their chart reading done for them, or they, I know for me, I've always said that it felt like I was sort of that like coming home, but like almost like I was meeting an old friend for coffee or like, you know, that I it's, she was familiar and yet it'd been so long. I've been so disconnected from that person that it was just very faintly, vaguely familiar. But I was like, but I know this is true. I know this is true. I just, 
don't, you know, I haven't been living this way. And, um, but I've also had people say that like, it gives you permission. There's just like, there's this deep knowing that it actually is accurate. I mean, I can't, the number of readings where people have had like these light bulb aha moments of just joy and like, oh my gosh. And it just clicks. And also tears around like, this is so true for me. This is so accurate, but really like it just gives you permission to live as yourself. I agree. I always, I use the excuse. I'll say excuse in quotes because it's not really, but when I learned I was a manifester, it gave me so much validation because I am someone who I can go and I can go hard for about three hours and Mm. then I need a nap. Yep. And I used to, I won't say who, but I've had people in my life who called me lazy and they're like, yes. Why you always got to sleep and things like yes. that. And once I learned I was a manifester, I was like, well, that's why. <laughs> yes. It's so true. Again, it's, yeah, it's freeing. It's, it's so it's validating. It's all of those things because I'm the same way. I I'm a napper and I always felt some level of guilt. And I think a lot of my generator and manifesting generator family and friends didn't really understand that and didn't understand why. And I will say that it's not to say that there aren't generators and manifesting generators who take naps or like naps, but really, if you're listening to this and you are one of them, that's also a really good sign that you're not living the way that you're meant to, because you're kind of, you're a more of a burnout manifesting generator or generator, because that those types have that sacral energy where if they're doing what they're meant to, they're going to have almost endless energy for their day. And then they're going to just crash at night and wake up and be able to do it all over again. But having that awareness of both ourselves and other people is so incredibly helpful. Yeah. I always tell this story. So my, so you already mentioned my one daughter is a projector. My other one is a manifesting generator and she hasn't taken naps since she was two years old. And of course, back then I had no idea what human design was. I only learned it in the last few years. And once I learned that, and that we also had an issue with her going to bed at night, she would be awake and awake and like, she would Mm -hmm. not go to sleep. She would want to read. She'd want to do anything, but go to sleep. Once I realized she needs to get that energy out before she can actually like shut down for the night, it changed everything. And I was Uh like, oh, well, that would be why you stopped napping when you were two. And all of my friend's kids were napping until they were five and six, you know? Yes. 100%. (laughs) Yes. I, I have little ones right now. So that is very fresh in my memory and my mind. And thankfully I found out about human design before my son was even one right before he turned one. So it's been really cool and really helpful in parenting for sure. It is so helpful. And I love what you said about manifesting generators and generators that if they are finding where they feel like they need to take naps, then there's something going on physically in their nervous system that their body is going, hello, something Mm -hmm. needs attention here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. So I would love for you to tell my listeners how they can work with you. Absolutely. So the best place to start is chart.guidedlifebydesign.com. And hopefully you can put that in um, show notes, yeah, but absolutely. that is where you can get started. If you want, um, I have a business partner who's a projector, Melissa. If you want us to run your chart for you, send it to you along with just a, some short video clips, very short, very brief, very high level so that you can start to understand your design. That's the best place to start. If you've already done that and you're ready to go deeper, The best place to connect with us is on social media. We're at Surrender Story on Instagram, and we have a Facebook community called Guided Life by Design. Um, We also have websites under both of those names, but we do several different things. Our very favorite thing to do is live retreats. 
It's something that we absolutely love that there are very intense immersion experiences into your design, which are phenomenal. And we go all over the U.S. and we're willing to go all over the world. So yeah, lots of ways to work with us, but just to get started, absolutely. Let us send you your chart if you don't have it. Ooh, I might be interested in a retreat. That sounds oh, so fun. Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> Every single person who has attended one of our retreats has said it is life changing. Mm, I bet it is to have, are they usually like a day or two or a week? They or are actually, they take place. Um, we start in an evening, two full days and, re- and end in a morning. So we have, it's over four days, but it's really like two full days, but we have to start in the evening just to kind of break the ice so that we can just dive in and get really deep in those two days. Oh, I love that. It sounds amazing. So before I let you go, I like to ask my guests five rapid fire questions. So my listeners can get to know you a little bit better. And I just want you to answer the first thing that comes to mind. It doesn't mean your answer has to be short, but it's just a fun way to kind of wrap up our interview. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite way to show up for yourself as it relates to self-care? I use a sauna, an infrared sauna every morning. Ooh, amazing. I don't have one of those. I'm addicted. (laughs) <laughs> highly recommend it to anyone. What is something you do for fun? Mm, I was read is the first thing that came up. Okay. I loved, I loved to read. I try to read almost every day if I yeah. can, even if it's just five minutes. Yep. How would your best friend describe you? Oh, wheat is the first thing that came up, I guess. I think that's part of my, I think that might be a little, uh, not self manifester, but sweet. Maybe. I love it. All right. If, if I have to take human design off the table, what do you love to learn more about? Spirituality. I love spiritual. I could talk. We could probably have a whole another podcast episode. <laughs> yes. hundred percent. All right. Last one. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? Relax, trust, and try to have a little fun. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe, and this is kind of a sidebar, but as a manifester, I have found having fun is something I have to have had to work at. It didn't come naturally to me. You know, I think when I was a kid, it did. Then there was a whole span of Mm -hmm. my life where it didn't. And now I'm to the point where I can have fun again and I feel a little more lighthearted, but I don't know if that's a manifester thing or just, I don't know if it's a manifester thing either, but that is true for me. I'm always like more joy, more joy. Um, And I have little kids and I really do have a lot of fun through them, but I would say on my own, there are pretty deep, serious things that I consider fun that probably the rest of the world doesn't, (laughs) but I can also have, I can also have some good laughs and you get me in the right mood and I can, I can definitely have fun with the best of them for sure. But I would say that the majority of the time I actually enjoy being serious and deep. It's just, I think that's the way I was created. Yeah, I I think so too. I've actually, I've had some people ask me, what do you like to do for fun? And I'll be like, I love to read. I love to learn about human design and astrology. And I read my tarot cards and I play with my crystals and they're like, okay, I'm out. Like, I don't know what all that is. (laughs) I know. Well, we're not for everyone, are we? No, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, Allison, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate this. And I loved this conversation about human design and how you can incorporate it into different parts of your life and how you can really like start to see how it affects every single part of your life and how it can help you live your most authentic life. Absolutely. I had a blast. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you. I really loved that conversation. And on a personal level, it's always fun for me to meet other manifestors to see where the similarities are and to connect on a deeper level. 
It's been fun for me to keep learning about human design because it truly does explain so much about why we are the way we are. Of course, there are other factors as well, but how we were designed is a huge part of it. And for me, it has really given me the permission I felt like I needed to be myself. I hope it has done the same for you. Links to connect with Allison can be found in today's show notes. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would give it a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about. 